Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here, along with my co-host, Susie Sporton. Time for another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Uh, we do this, well, we do this almost every Monday, uh, September through May. We had technical problems interfere last week, but it's good to be back on the air this week. Susie, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am well. I ate too much during the thanks American Thanksgiving holiday, which I understand is what we're supposed to do. But um, <laughs> well, I tried hard not to do it, and I guess um, I wasn't high on the mental toughness scale for that one or two day period when I was just um, well eating things that I don't usually eat. Um, the chocolate cake was the real killer, and I hope that's not going to be literally. I uh, hope you had a nice <laughs> American Thanksgiving. Yes, we did. Thanks. Good. So we have lots of emails to respond to, but we also already have a caller. And callers take top priority in this program, so we're going to go straight to the call. that okay with you? That's great. Good. So our caller is from area code 937. Let's see if it's who I think it is. You're on the air. What's up today? Well, good morning, Dr. Green and Susie. This is uh, the raised plan A wooden spoon father. <laughs> I promise to give you guys an update. We, uh, we thought that was you, but give us the update. Go ahead. Okay. So to rewind, uh, we did work through um, a plan B discussion with our son. Uh, and the specific ALSIP item was difficulty playing safely with baby sister in the house. So uh, the discussion with an eight-year-old boy uh, starts off slowly, as you have identified many, many times, is typically the kid will just be quiet or, I don't want to talk about this. Um, so my wife and I were very patient. Um, and finally... Uh, we got out of him. We we said, we noticed you're having difficulty playing safely with your two-year-old baby sister. What's up? We used uh, your script exactly. And finally, the response was, I like seeing her laugh. And when she falls down and doesn't get hurt, she laughs. Uh, so, aha moment, light bulb goes on. So, at this point, the discussion becomes, well, what else do you do that makes her laugh? Um, and so he just started listing things off, like uh, playing with building blocks or playing uh, mini foosball or playing with weeble wobbles. 
And all of a sudden, we had a whole list of items that were playing safely with his baby sister. Um, and so it just came down to wrapping things up. What do you think about doing those items to get your baby sister to laugh? And he said, I can do that. Uh-huh. And so I can honestly say that is a bright spot. Uh, I think that that is a success story now. <laughs> Just because you solve one problem doesn't mean you solve them all. Uh, there's a lot of things to work on. Uh, but what's interesting is it seems like one of the biggest challenges is getting our own emotions in check in the heat of the moment, uh, getting frustrated with our kids. Uh, and, again, uh, I think I talked about it last time, the, the biggest thing is getting out of the house on time for sporting events or whatever, whether it's a sibling sporting event or, or his own. Um, so I think we're still struggling with reaction in the moment, especially it's time to leave right now. Um, I think that's the biggest struggle we have right now. Well, um, I've got a few questions for you before we respond. Okay. One has a very obvious answer. Um, I know that you have been saying that you were raised with the wooden spoon. My bet is that you're pretty convinced at this point that a wooden spoon would not have helped you uncover his concern related to playing safely with his sister. Wooden spoons don't do that. So that's that's a that's an easy one. Yes? Yes. Here's the next one, just out of curiosity, and I, I don't remember what you told us during the la- when you called in last about okay. your theories about why he was having, uh, your hypotheses about why he was having difficulty playing safely with his sister. Do you remember what your hypotheses were? Uh, well... I, I'll rewind the tape. I believe I specifically said I think he likes pushing our buttons. And uh, I actually had a cynical view of his behavior, thinking that he really wanted to hurt his baby sister. The things we learn in the empathy step, eh? I, I will second that, yes. But now you have, you're, you are absolutely right. Just because you solve one doesn't mean you solve them all. And it sounds like you got another one um, that you don't want to be solving in the heat of the moment, even though it sounds like, even though it feels like it's occurring in the heat of the moment. Right. And that is getting, I'm not sure how we want to put this, but getting ready to get out the door on time. And what we want to do with that one is we want to split it because um, right now it's what we call clumped, uh, getting out the door on time perhaps for just about everything. But if he's having difficulty getting out the door on time for school and he's having difficulty getting out the door on time to go to soccer practice and if he's having difficulty getting out the door on time to go to church, we're actually going to treat those as three separate unsolved problems. Our motto is split early. Maybe we can clump later, but if we clump early, we'll never find out. Um, so we want to pick one fairly chronic 
guessing that he's having difficulty getting ready to get out the door on time, too. And you want to do the exact same thing with that as you did with playing safely with his sister. Um, Even though it feels like it's occurring in the heat of the moment, the mere fact that you're telling us that it occurs on some reliable basis tells us that it's predictable and the last, the worst possible timing on trying to solve that problem is right as you're in the thick of him having difficulty leaving for whatever on time. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think unclumping is, is very important. Uh, now, what's interesting with my wife and I is finding the time and energy to do it. That's a different issue. Um, uh, and it kind of raises the concern that we may be overcommitted. At least I know I have strung myself out then, which is not unusual with a father of three kids and a a two-year-old, but that's the challenge now is finding the time and energy uh, to conduct effective Plan B sessions. And maybe Susie can speak to this, but as well, um, she's she's sort of in a she's been there. Um, uh, she had three, still does have three. I don't want to put it in the past tense. It's just that she would, had three in her household. That's a better way to put it. Um, and you know uh, everybody's busy. What I always tell people is that dealing with leaving the house on time, in the heat of the moment, time after time after time, usually takes a lot more time than uh, doing plan B one or two times on that unsolved problem, which, of course, all makes very logical sense. But if you're busy with three kids and overcommitted, what a lot of parents find they have to do is carve out committed time for problem solving and really plan for it. A lot of The reason that a lot of problem solving goes on in the heat of the moment is because most parents don't plan for it. They just deal with it in the heat of the moment. And some parents get a big explosion when they're dealing with it in the heat of the moment. Those parents really have no choice but to do it proactively, but they do have to plan for it. There are some parents out there who kind of get away with dealing with one incident after the other in the heat of the moment. But if you have a kid who's not able to do that or has a long list of unsolved problems that are setting in motion challenging episodes many times throughout the day, um, that list of unsolved problems is going to help you do it proactively, but the list may not be all you need. You may need to plan for plan B. Susie, any further thoughts on that? Um, Agreeing. With what you said, um, I just wanted to say thanks for calling back. We were so interested in what was going on in your household. Um, I, a couple of things come to mind. Um, you were talking about um, skills and in the heat of the moment, um, trying to remain calm. And I just wanted to add that one of the great things about the model was it indirectly taught me some of the skills that I was lacking, and um, it taught me to um, be proactive and not 
reactive. Um, you know, you could act like a nut in the heat of the moment or take a deep breath. And um, one thing that always helped me was my mantra that children do well if they can, um, that it was a learning disability, a developmental delay. Um, I also wanted to recommend the uh, Dr. Green and Dr. Epstein's book, uh, The Adventures of Stretch Moore. I'm not sure if I mentioned that the last time we spoke, but it's um, a great read not only for parents, but for parents and children together that um, solves problems together. Um, time was is a crucial element in in your home, and I appreciate that. We um, deleted some of our family's activities and had also once a week we made a family meeting where uh, people could express their um, thoughts and concerns about a problem. And that helped a lot. Um, I guess those were some of the things that come to my mind. Dad, what are your thoughts on all that? Well, I I think the once-a-week family meeting, uh, it it does raise the uh, alarm bells of of we've got to schedule things out better. Um, it, It does seem like we're always asking ourselves, what do we have tonight? What do we have tomorrow? And it would be nice to be able to wake up and just look at that board and know exactly what's going to happen. Um, so I think that that is something proactively. I like the once-a-week family meeting. Now, the only thing I'll say about the once-a-week family meeting is that um, the once-a-week family meeting is good for solving problems as a family. Um probably not ideal for solving problems with individual kids. Right. Who may, um, you know, there are some unsolved problems that affect the entire family, and that's um, worth a family meeting. Um, There are other unsolved problems that um, really are going to be much better discussed with individual kids. That's the way you want to do those. Right. And I neglected to say that, you know, making an appointment with your child proactively is so important. And even just 15 minutes a day to to work on an unsolved problem, um, you'd be amazed how that builds up over time and um, eventually reduces or even eliminates the um maladaptive behavior right well thank you guys i think we're on the right track now it's a matter of implementation keep it up um keep us posted call and give us an update anytime i think the update you gave us was um very illustrative for a lot of people our theories are usually wrong it's really good to hear what the kid has to say in the empathy step that's what really helps us solve the problem. If we go with our theories, we go about trying to solve those problems often in ways that do not work. Keep it up. Good luck with right. it. Thank you, guys. Thank Take you. Take care. You bet.
Boy, that's uh, kind of cool. That's a nice one. Yeah, that's great. That's a nice one. All right, we do not have any other callers at the moment. And, of course, I neglected to give the phone number and, therefore, to give you the chance to tell us to press number one. So here we go. Okay. The call-in number is 347-994-2981. And then please press one. We are so good at that. <laughs> yep, what a team. Here's an email. My son is four years old and has always had an explosive temper and is easily frustrated. Often he gets upset about literally nothing, such as, did you touch my arm? Or he wants to do something I didn't even know about. His tantrums have improved in terms of explosives. But the biggest issue we are having right now is not listening. He does not listen at all. I have really tried not to yell at him, as it sometimes makes it worse, but by the tenth time of asking you nicely, I am about to explode. He is extremely defiant, and even when specifically asked not to do something, he does it anyway. I have read the book and feel it has some good approaches. I have not put the whole thing in the motion yet, as I am waiting for my husband to finish the book. I have tried sitting down with my son and discussing with him some things about his behavior, and how we can make things better, and I'm often met with an unfocused, ready-to-get-down, I don't know. I guess my question is this. He is four years old. He interrupts constantly when I'm speaking to him and has a short attention span. How do I tackle such an ambiguous subject as not listening with him? Considering his age, is he really capable of having this type of discussion, problem-solving conversation, or is this geared more towards older children? I feel like I've tried everything with this child and find myself reverting back to my old way of yelling at him out of frustration to get him to do anything. I definitely identified with what you said about people thinking my son is the way he is because of bad parenting. I constantly feel this way. I often feel resentful when I see parents politely ask their child to do something and they willingly comply. I wish things were this easy for us, but that's not been the case. It's just so hard. Thanks for any advice. Well, Susie, let's see if we can help this mom out. I'm yes. going to tackle the first part, and then um, let's have you tackle that second part about um, bad parenting and feeling bad when you see um, parents, other parents ask their kid to do something and the kid willingly complies, and about what you think when you got a kid who isn't that kind of kid. But let me start technical first, and then we'll go to that part. Um, my advice is going to be similar, although this kid sounds like he has some things going on that may warrant a more comprehensive assessment. Um, so all I can really guide this mom on is the use of the model. But as we always say in our disclaimer, me guiding people in the use of the model does not take the place of a comprehensive assessment. So let's just put that out there. There's some things about this four-year-old, especially his attention span, his activity level, possibly, although I'm not sure about this part, the degree to which he's understanding what mom is saying that might warrant a more comprehensive assessment. But as it relates to the model, what most people mean by not listening 
I would call not following directions. And it sounds like this young lad is having difficulty following lots of different directions. There are, let me put this in the parlance of the model, lots of expectations this kid is having difficulty meeting that his mom is telling him to meet. And after ten times of telling him, mom is discovering he's still having trouble meeting it. And what he's convincing me of is that you can tell him once, you can tell him ten times. doesn't really matter how many times you tell him. He's having trouble meeting certain expectations. We have got to figure out what those expectations are. Because if we don't, we're going to enter plan B with something very ambiguous, like difficulty listening. Or even worse, we're going to enter plan B trying to talk with him about his behavior. And his behavior is not what we want to talk with him about. We want to do a good job of figuring out what expectation he's having difficulty meeting that mom is telling him to meet ten times or more and that he's having difficulty meeting. And it's going to be a long list, mom. But we can't enter plan B with difficulty listening. And we can't enter plan B with a behavior. Because if we do, the likelihood is very high that we're going to get I don't know as a response. So if he's having difficulty taking his plate from the dinner table and washing it off in the sink and putting it in the dishwasher, and that's something you're, that's one of those things you're telling him to do, the unsolved problem is difficulty taking plate from the table and cleaning it to put it in the dishwasher. That's the unsolved problem. If he's having difficulty putting away his uh, Legos to get ready for bed, Telling him is not the unsolved problem. The behavior is not the unsolved problem. The unsolved problem is difficulty putting his Legos away to get ready for bed. So, Mom, you need a list. Difficulty listening is way too vague. It's what we call plumped. And we want your unsolved problems to be specific. Otherwise, I don't know your son, but in the case of most kids, you're highly likely to hear, I don't know. So... I don't know if that's why he's interrupting constantly when you're speaking to him. I do not know if that's why he has such a short attention span when you're talking to him. I do know that it's impossible to tackle such an ambiguous subject as not listening. Is he capable of having this type of a discussion? Well, the fact that he's four years old certainly doesn't knock him out of the running. We do plan B with four-year-olds all the time. Are there some things about your four-year-old that make it difficult for him to do plan B? I do not know. I haven't met him. Are we going to know a lot more about his ability to do plan B if we start doing plan B with a specific unsolved problem, as in the examples I just gave, and do it proactively? Well, then, then we're going to have much more information than we do right now. The problem right now is I don't know if his short attention span his difficulty listening, his interrupting constantly is because the unsolved problem was too clumped or because he has other issues that are going to make it difficult for him to do plan B under the best of circumstances. But let's do plan B in the, under the best of circumstances and then we'll have a lot more information. All right, that's the technical part. Now, Susie? Yeah? You've got to park here too. Mom said uh, she can certainly identify with people referring to her son as being the way he is because of bad parenting. She feels that way constantly. 
She feels very resentful when she sees other kids willingly complying with simple requests. She wishes things were that easy. I've got a feeling things are not going to be that easy. Maybe you've got some words of wisdom for how she can come to grips with that. Well, we had a similar situation. Um, I was scolded and berated for not being a good parent, um, being too lax or um, not standing up enough to my son. Um, And that is demoralizing. But collaborative and proactive solutions, it's a different approach to communicate with your child. Um, I wanted to say that you know, this can be very isolating. You can find support with Lives in the Balance or a clergy, family member, pediatrician, um, but you need to find that you have to find the strength within yourself, but it's also helpful to find some support somewhere. Um, Yes, it's frustrating when you see a Regular kid comply to a direction, but as Dr. Green always says, um, being responsive to the hand you've been dealt, you just have a different situation. And um, and instead of fighting it, um, it it's more helpful to accept it. Um, the model always gives us hope that um, it's not perfect, but things do get better over time and with a lot of hard work. Um, And lastly, I just wanted to say, oh, yelling. It just uh, makes the parents feel worse and it doesn't teach the skills or solve problems you never stop to think that the message will never get through by yelling. Yelling is also a thing that we do in the heat of the moment. Um, That's why mom needs needs that lift so badly. Mm -hmm. Right now, with that unsolved problem being as clumped as it is, um, mom, you're not going to have any success with plan B so long as that unsolved problem stays clumped. This is why the ALSIP is so important, because Plan B can get off to a really rocky start and go nowhere if the unsolved problem is worded poorly. Um, And we really want this mom to experience success with Plan B. But it's got to be proactive and it's got to start with a well-worded, unsolved problem. Otherwise, Mom, you're going to keep finding yourself in the heat of the moment, telling him to do things ten times over, and by the tenth time, and by the way, it's great to be patient. But one thing's for sure. Patience is not going to solve this problem. Because after nine trials of giving him the same direction over and over again, and you having tapped yourself out on patience, he's still having difficulty needing a particular expectation. So patience alone is not going to get the job done. In fact, patience is great, not serving you really well because patience is something you do in the heat of the moment often. 
Um, you know, patience can break a few different ways. You can be patient on having your kid actually meet an expectation, and patience there means you've decided he doesn't have to meet it yet. That's plan C. You can be patient on an expectation you want your kid to meet, but patience, just like wooden spoons, don't help kids meet expectations. Plan B does. So, um, 10 points for patience. It's just that patience isn't going to get you there. Plan B is going to get you there. You need well-worded unsolved problems, and it's got to be done proactively. And tell Dad to hurry up and finish that book so y'all can get started. And <laughs> feel free to call in and give us an update um, so we can find out how you're doing. Susie, any final points for Mom? Uh, thanks, yes. Uh, just to remind the mom to you know, keep a log, and when she's doing the LSEP, to prioritize those two or three problems um, so that you're only working on a few at a time to make an appointment with her child. And to remember, it's not the child's idea of a good time either. Great point. Mom, good luck. Don't be a stranger. Let me give that call-in number again. We've got about 15 minutes left, 347-994-2981. Speaking of the LSIP, and press here's one. an interesting one. And press one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't do that. That's that. you got to do that. Okay. Um, but here we go. Uh, here's, a, here's an email. I was wondering if it's okay to print out the LSIP and kind of carry it with me so that when I see examples of unsolved problems happening, I can jot them down. Because I am having a very hard time coming up with specific examples of the unsolved problems for the lagging skills. I am currently reading The Explosive Child and trying to follow through, but seem to be stuck with some of the unsolved problems. There are so many that it gets to be overwhelming sometimes, and I have noticed that I tend to just put it all in the back of my mind in order to be able to move on sort of filing it temporarily in a mental shoebox and waiting to sort it all out when I can make the time. Susie, let's help this mom out too. Um, it is certainly not problematic for you to keep track of unsolved problems as they arise. I don't know if you have to carry the ALSIP around with you. You can enter them onto the ALSIP later if you want to. Um, and people who are just getting started do, with a behaviorally challenging child, do tend to have a lot of unsolved problems written in. But And that's sort of par for the course. The good news is you're not going to be working on all those unsolved problems at once anyways. You're going to prioritize two or three to get started on in the beginning, but there is definitely something to be said for having a comprehensive list of all of the expectations your child is having difficulty meeting. Uh, first of all, it lets you know the mountain that lies before you. Secondly, it helps you prioritize because it's hard to pick which things to start working on unless you've got that comprehensive list in the first place. And as I always say, overwhelming as a long list of unsolved problems might be, it's a lot more overwhelming to not know what those unsolved problems are and therefore not have the slightest idea what problems you could be busy solving with your child. So um, those are my thoughts on that. But here's, here's this seems to be the theme of the day. We're, this program is going to be called Time. Um, 
waiting to sort it all out when I can make the time. You don't really have to sort it all out. You just have to get all of those unsolved problems documented and then pick the two or three that you're going to start working on first. That's all the sorting out you really need to do. And if you want to start on two or three unsolved problems before you feel like you have the absolute quintessential comprehensive list of unsolved problems, that's okay. Nobody's going to get on your case about that. But at the end of that last line is the word, time, making the time. Um, you know, this once again, this seems to be the theme for the day. There's, there's, there's no way this is going to help unless we make the time. Um, and making the time can be hard. People lead extraordinarily busy lives. Kids are over-programmed. Parents are over-programmed. But if you ask me, out of all that stuff that we're busy doing, what's the one thing we absolutely positively have to make the time for that trumps all of those things, solving problems with our kids? It's more important than any of those activities. And those might be some really important activities. Solving problems with our kids is more important because violin lessons are going to be less crucially related to your relationship and communication and how things are going with your kid than solving problems with him. Um, soccer, great activity, great sport. Great thing for kids to do. It's going to have less to do with your relationship and communication with your kid than solving problems together. Got to make the time. Susie, I bet you have some thoughts on that. Um, I just wanted to say that Plan B is a process, and it might take a little while to get the Plan B ball rolling, um, but it's helpful to view it as a developmental delay, a learning disability. Um to focus on unsolved problems and not the behavior. And, yes, time in the beginning, um, the CPS does take some time, but it takes less time than explosions and meltdowns. And it actually saves time as you become skilled in the Plan B process. It does save time. Just got to get, get up, put the time in to get the ball rolling. Yes. Here's another one. I think I think we're not going to do any more callers today, but uh, and we have done anyway. So here's a here's one more email at least. Maybe we can fit to it. This one says, "Love your book. I have been searching for answers because my son, age nine, is not responding to traditional behavior modification techniques. I think this will help with meltdowns. He is currently in the avoid." Oh he is currently in the padded room at school several times a day. Oh no! I don't like I don't like when that happens. Um, here's the question. My question is how to handle cursing, swearing, when it was not when it is not related to any specific trigger. He'll just start saying things like "You are all," and I can't use these words on a uh, family radio program here. I'll just use the letters of the beginning of the words. M, M, F, and B's in a happy voice. His newest words are, here's one that starts with an N and one that starts with an R, which he will say when he's mad, but also when he's just being hyper. 
just started a new bipolar medicine. Doctor took him off uh, in a medicine for ADHD, and he is super hyper and impulsive and cursing a lot. All right. This one's a little complicated. Um, it sounds like mom already has um, people involved, mental health professionals involved in helping her son. Um I'm not sure what to make of the swearing. I'm hoping that the doctor who is prescribing the medicine has ruled out vocal tics as a potential cause for the swearing, even when he's happy. Um, This does lend itself to an unsolved problem, And it may be very interesting to hear what your nine-year-old son has to say about difficulty uh, using kind words um, when around, this is going to be very clumped, but the problem is if it's not not occurring uh, with relationship to a specific unsolved problem, which I'm reading it does, sometimes and doesn't others. When it does, you want to put the specific unsolved problem that he's swearing in response to, but you don't want to use the words that he's using, and you don't want to say using bad words. You want to put the expectation he's having difficulty meeting, which is speaking in using appropriate words or kind words. That's your expectation. When you have um, a specific unsolved problem, you can put that in. If you don't, you can't put that in. And it would be very interesting to hear what he has to say. And I don't know if the medication change could be associated with this or not. Vanillant medications can sometimes increase the likelihood of kicks. So can other medications. So all of this uh, is something to run by the person who is prescribing the medication. Obviously, my response here is specifically related to how I would do Plan B with your nine-year-old son. Once again, the disclaimer, it does not in any way, shape, or form take the place of a comprehensive evaluation. But you know what? I'd be very interested to hear what your nine-year-old son has to say when you ask him about his difficulty using appropriate language around mom or in response to specific unsolved problems that you'd want to name. He might say, um, I can't help it. It's something I feel I have to say. You want to let the doctor who's prescribing the medication know about that answer about as quickly as you possibly can. He might say, and I don't think a nine-year-old would say this, but I've, I've had kids that age say it, Uh, it's funny, or I didn't think you minded, or uh, I didn't know it was a problem, or I don't know what he's going to say. I'm making all of this stuff up just based on what I've heard kids say. But what he says when you ask him might give you some very important information that you need about um, the factors that are setting the stage for him to swear. And that's the information I think you most badly need And you might have some information for the doctor as well if the doctor hasn't explored that with your son yet. 
Once again, uh, that's what I would do with Plan B. I'm glad you are in the hands of a mental health professional. I hope that mental health professional is doing things comprehensively and um, has all the information he or she needs to make sure that uh, we've got everything squared away in terms of what's getting in the way for your son. Let's do one more, and um, this might take Excuse a Excuse me, just here. for one second, could I add one thing sure, to that ahead. last email? Um, I was so concerned about uh, the padded room part at school, and if she could, to purchase a, a book lost at school um, and to uh, get the school folks on board with the model um, as well um, would probably be a good thing and getting him out of the padded room. Thank you for mentioning that. That may have been the absolute most important part of the email. I wonder if the school folks know about lagging skills and unsolved problems because one thing's certain, just like wooden spoons and just like being patient, padded rooms don't teach skills. Padded rooms don't solve problems. Here's one more. Thank you for inserting that. Uh, just wondering about children who have fetal alcohol syndrome and those who are four to five years old and have learned behavior. Does this work well with FASD children? Can we expect children with holes or gaps in their brain to understand or even remember? Would we be better off using behavior modification? Also, we have young children who are not very verbal. If their behavior has become a learned behavior, they are not manipulative, but they know that the last 20 times they had a tantrum, they got what they wanted. How do we stop that cycle? All right, there's a lot in this email. Let's see if we can do it justice in three minutes. Um, you know what? We all have holes and gaps in our brains. Nobody alive doesn't have holes, and nobody alive doesn't have gaps. We all have strengths. We all have lagging skills. Kids with FASD have it too. Maybe they have more, but I would say that about just about every behaviorally challenging kid I've ever worked with, irrespective of the diagnosis. And FASD as a diagnosis mostly tells us that this child was exposed to substances in utero. But FASD children look completely different from each other. So we still got to figure out what each child diagnosed with FASD, what their lagging skills are, and what their unsolved problems are. Here's something else we all have. Learned behavior. We all have learned behavior. No one escapes learned behavior. The issue is there are expectations the kids you're talking about are having difficulty meeting. And they're responding to those expectations and their difficulty meeting them in ways that are maladaptive. Uh, I don't know if I would call that learned behavior. I would call that a maladaptive response. But the more important part is the fact that there are specific expectations. Every kid, irrespective of how we think they got to be this way, there are expectations that kid is having difficulty meeting. If the kid is throwing a tantrum and getting what they want, uh, that problem isn't solved yet. 
if the kid is throwing a tantrum, that's the signal. We got an unsolved problem. If all we do is pay attention to the tantrum, that problem is still not going to get solved. I don't know, you may get rid of the tantrum, but you haven't solved the problem that's causing that tantrum. There's nothing that takes the place of solving problems, identifying what they are, not focusing on the behavior. The behavior is downstream. Tantrums are downstream. What we do about tantrums, downstream. Identifying and solving the problems that are causing those tantrums, upstream. Whether this kid is FASD, reactive attachment disorder, ADHD, ODD, CD, OCD, you name it, they got lagging skills and unsolved problems. I wouldn't be too focused on the FASD part. I'd be focused on the lagging skills and unsolved problems that may be the byproduct of the FASD. Susie, we're out of time for the day, so I'm not going to be able to give you a chance to weigh in on that one. Thanks for doing this, as always, Susie. My pleasure, as always. I think we covered a lot of territory today, and we'll do it again next week. Yes. Take care, everybody. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.